Welcome everyone to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. I am Megan Cummings-Kruger, and today we're going to take a look at the intersection of focus and resilience. While resilience is often seen as a personal trait, it is in fact a skill that we can all learn, and it has never been more useful. The impact of focusing on who we are, how we choose to face our challenges, is powerful most especially for women in taking ownership of our careers. So I am delighted to be able to discuss this with today's guest, Maria Kaufman. Maria is a women's leadership expert who delivers transformational opportunities to women seeking positive change in the world. She challenges her audience to leverage their personal brands and pay attention to what most matters at work and in life with her five natural steps. Now, Maria began her career as an electrical engineer, has more than 30 years of experience in automation and manufacturing, and it was over the course of her career that she realized she had a strength in both overcoming obstacles in STEM, as well as a unique ability to provide problem-solving perspectives to others that enables them to succeed in some of the most challenging environments. So 10 years ago, she became a certified professional coach and an Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioner. Building upon this focus, Maria is also the creative creator and host of the podcast, The Everyday Heroine. And don't worry, we'll be providing a link to her podcast when we post our podcast. Maria received her Bachelor's of Science from Widener University and her coaching certificate uh, certification from the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching Maria currently resides outside the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania region, is the proud mother of a daughter who attends college not too far away, and I am happy to report she is in the midst of mentoring her second Mentium mentee. So all that being said, welcome, Maria. Thank you so much. What a very, very honorable introduction. Thank you, Megan. (laughs) You are more than welcome. So one of your areas of specialties as a life coach, I know, is career advancement. And so as I referenced in my introduction, you have a five-step natural framework around this. And given these hectic, chaotic times that we are currently living in, I suspect your clients find it uh, very useful to have a framework to work with. So can you share with us what is this framework and how have you seen it work for others? Yes, would love to. Thank you. Frameworks certainly are a nice place to get grounded. And certainly I love when these two worlds of coaching and engineering collide together in some fun ways. So in electrical engineering, it's very, very important to stay safe when and you'll need a very, very grounded system. In life coaching, it's kind of the same in mentoring, right? So you know, the five-step framework, I'll just give you the the high level, and then we can dip down a little bit into each step uh, as we see fit. But it happens naturally, right? We think about what we want in life. So step number one is what I like to call the dream step. Step number two is the discover step. Three And one and two are basically things that kind of happen really more inside of our heads and our minds. Step three is explore. This is where we basically step out into the world and life happens, right? We'll wake up every day and do it all over again. Step four is advance. And step five is sustain. So those are the five steps. 
if I take a step back and just highlight a little bit more into step one, what I like to say is, and what we do in the dream step is we create unstoppable goals. And I have found this very, very important, definitely in mentoring, you know, is kicking off a mentor mentee relationship. I, you know, where are we going? You know, I'm here to serve you, right? You know, so help me understand how I can make that happen. So that's a nice intro to those types of relationships. Uh, certainly in the coaching world, then it, you know, it, it builds that framework into how I can uh, help and serve. Uh, and I like to say, you can't have an unstoppable life without unstoppable goals. So I do have a very, very specific recipe that I have learned over you know years and years of being a student also in the game of life and it being in the, that student seat in a lot of these self-development and leadership programs, right? And after a while, you start to think, oh, there's a little bit of a repetition here, right? So with that repetition too, and I love, you know, your lead in here, focus in resilience, you know, help me just focus and build that resilience because life is definitely hectic. No better way to do that than an unstoppable goal. And usually it takes about, I like to say at least one hour per unstoppable goal. And I challenge my, my clients certainly to create three to five unstoppable goals. Once you get three to five, it, it, that tends to describe a pretty rich life, let's say. So it takes about a month to do that, you know, to really give yourself that time and to think, oh, okay, I'm really talking about my life. This is not just career goals, but these are life goals. Right. And back to that focus piece is because, you know, once we get to the explore step, we know it's coming. How can I help prepare myself, you know, the best I can? So an example can be very easy. And I do like to boil it down once we get into the deep, you know, process of it to really build one out. I, I simplify it in the end with a two to three word title. So, for example, I want to be director of engineering. That could be just a simple title or an example of an unstoppable goal. And maybe, you know, I'm early in my career, you know, so, you know, an unstoppable goal should be boundless. It should be something that I could be 20 years out, could be completely unstoppable. So a, a title, if that's what you're going for in your career, could be a good example, whatever that is for you. Now, on the personal side, this is one that I will always have is deeper, loving relationships with my daughter, right? So absolutely, I'm, you know, this is something that I will live my whole life working toward and never get to the end because the end is just literally un, unbounded. Okay? Wonderful. Those are great examples. <laughs> Thank you. So then, and that's important because the second step is the discover step. And the, the focus here is asking yourself, who am I to make my dreams come true? It's kind of simple, but it can get distracting out there in life before, before we go play in the world and explore that question. This is, I, I like to tickle that out. Some of the buzzwords that we hear these days are being authentic. Right. And I, I love to hear that. And I love to hear people talk about that because it's such 
an interesting topic and how can we do that? And that's that that literally is an unstoppable goal, just being authentic, right? And I love to also add a perspective of empowerment. Definitely whenever I'm I'm working with uh, women's uh, leadership and and bringing that focus into that that realm um, because this is where my coaching school comes into play. You know, there's two types of energy in the world and seven different levels. Uh, so I like to talk about it as, you know, disempowering and empowering. And it does not mean that we should not either do disempowering acts. I like to talk about acts of empowerment and acts of disempowerment. Uh, an example there would be an act of empowerment is being in the middle of an argument and you've got that sense like, oh, this is going nowhere. So what can I do to get out of it, but still stay with it? And one trick is to ask, how can I help you? Because when there's confrontation, confrontation in that, that back and forth, that battle, the blame game is definitely an example of a disempowering act. Oh, it's my mother's fault. I never got married to the, the, the greatest guy in the world, right? <laughs> it's easy for us to do that. Or it's the boss's fault that I don't get promoted, right? So those acts, literally that thought or those words are acts of disempowerment. How can I serve you as an act of empowerment? I'm saying, listen, I'm going to like either get to neutral and then take us both or all of us a little higher. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a gist. One more thing that I do want to mention about the discover step and a little bit about that framework that came from my coaching school, because you mentioned transformation. I'm all about transformation, right? So there are two stages, if you will, of transformation opportunities. One is that point in, in where really empowerment and disempowerment shift. And the easiest way to describe that is if you've ever been in a good mood and you switch to a bad mood, or if you're in a bad mood and you switch to a good mood, that's that point that I'm talking about, right? Sometimes it's just time heals all wounds and a bad mood will just kind of have its way of, of dissipating if you just give it time. But, but that's one of the transformational levels because if we can grab a hold of that special place, right? I mean, who wants to stay in a bad mood? And maybe you do. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Definitely as a coach, I would never judge that. If you want to stay in a bad mood, then maybe we have to have a different conversation. <laughs> but um, Right. So, you know, how can I quickly get out of that when I don't want to be in it? You know, so there's power in learning that. And that's that energy leadership aspect that I love to bring to, to some of these relationships. And the other one is a, a transformational point in which there's a world we live in with problems and there's a world we live in without problems. Right. So a lot of, you know, your your multimillionaires, your your highly successful people have this, they're better at getting or living in a world where they don't see problems. Everything's an opportunity. Right. So it's a it's definitely different than good mood to bad mood. It's more like, ooh, I'm really taking control of my life. And the situation definitely it's the opposite of blaming and it's seeing how you can pivot that place to 
stay more focused and resilient towards your unstoppable goal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the discover step. And then, you know, th- like I said, step number three is explore. And definitely in relationships with, with mentees or clients, this is where, you know, you, you, you take those two steps to figure out, you know, where we're going and who you are to make that happen. And then you just kind of have to live life, right? Stuff's going to happen. Days are going to come and we'll see what, see what happens on one aspect, but the, on the other aspect, this is where smart goals, I'll say, start. I say, never have a smart goal until you have an unstoppable goal first. That is, and it took me a long time to figure this out myself <laughs> and learn this. And But this is why I teach it is because, you know, so many times we learn these really neat tricks and smart goals are fabulous. But if we're creating smart goals just to keep us on a, a distracted path away from our unstoppable goals, you know, that's easy to do, you know, cause you know, life is going to pull you or push you in, in certain aspects. So um, that is the explore step. Then the fourth one is advance. Now for, for women, typically, this is one I love to focus on. Uh, it definitely is an opportunity to build resilience. So in the the advanced step, let's say, you know, you know, we wake up every day and we just check in with our unstoppable goal. We answer who we are to make that uh, unstoppable goal come true. We go out into life and we explore and we live it. We come back at the end of the day. So here's where we turn a smart goal into a smarter goal. And the ER on a smarter goal is evaluate and redo. So the focus here is making sure that we actually advance because it happens naturally, actually. This is kind of a a truth of life. The question is, do you self-deprecate or do you self-promote? What's that mindset inside your head after you've had, a let's say, a really bad day? You You can turn a really bad day into a worse day by thinking, you know, that you know, you should have done, not I say, not say that you should have done better, but there's a way to do it in a, to discern what you need to learn from before you redo again and just beating yourself up. Oh, I don't know about, you know, most of the the women out there or even the humans out there, right? You know, what is that self-talk like for you? Because I know I, when, you know, before, and as I'm learning my own, you know, five steps, and there's this, that's just been days where I just beat myself up too much. And I didn't realize that I didn't have mentors and that kind of help early on, but we're living in some amazing times right now. And it's a lot easier to get that kind of support, certainly through the efforts of Mentium and other organizations and, and people out there that just really want to help. You know, it's a really good time to be alive. So that's the advanced step. Make sure we are self-promoting and not self-deprecating. And the fifth step is sustain. So just keep in mind, you know, advance is definitely a, a step in and of itself. Okay. So how we think about our day is one thing. And one, I'll say a tip and a trick. Three minutes every day at the end of a day. I, this saved me once on the job, journal your accomplishments. 
you know, maybe it's literally what you did and count them, right? I, I spent so many hours doing this what and whatever you do, you know, so it could be also, you know, handling a very difficult conversation. Maybe you're just proud of yourself on the way you handled it. So I took the approach one year, it was a new job and my manager at the time didn't have a lot of interaction with me. So I thought, oh, that's so weird. Like, how does he know what I'm doing? Right. And I think people want to do a good job. People want to be recognized. I thought, oh man, this is, this doesn't look like it's hidden in the trajectory that would benefit me. And if it doesn't benefit me, then it also doesn't, doesn't benefit my, my boss and the company, right? It all affects. So I thought, okay, I'm just every, every day, end of the day, three minutes, I'm just going to write down what I did. One year later comes to performance review. And I didn't you know I'm new to uh, employee. I don't know how their performance review goes, but I had all of the documentation to even look back. I was surprised myself, right? So I had plenty of information to put into my performance review and basically promote myself. And in the performance review, all I remember my boss saying is, wow, I didn't realize what you were doing. And I was so grateful to myself and then to him as well that, that I can communicate that to him and that everyone could benefit three minutes a day journaling. I, and I really appreciate that as an example. It sounds so simple, but it is so powerful. And, and I, I like both of those sides that you were talking about. Absolutely, your ability to communicate it and self-promote and have tangible examples, but also that other element that you were touching on, which is you know, I think a lot of us, you know, if we look at our resume, if we're down our career path a while, we'll be amazed and think, did I do that? And so it's also that internal awareness of, you know, it's so easy to look ahead and lose track of all that we did. So it's also such a powerful reminder to ourselves. Yes. So two things that I love to talk about, thank you for the reflection, because we do this in sports and businesses do this too. We're always counting, right? So it's a natural part of, of the life. Very, very natural. But, you know, it, for if, I've, if I go back to my example on this deeper loving relationship with my daughter, right? So it doesn't feel natural. Like I'm not going to count the number of text messages that I sent her, the number of phone calls, right? But on some level, and then you kind of know, you know, like, oh, this was a bad year between me and my daughter. You know, it was a lot of stress at college and, you know, this, that, the other thing, you know, so, you, but you do, there is something in you, even with some of these personal goals. And what I'd like to say is be the CEO of your own life, you know, take charge of that. And this is where th those distractions start to fall away once you gain that clarity on who you are and what you're meant to do in life. Yeah. Well, and this, I think is a great time to, you know, you shared the structure and what you have found that has really been powerful as a coach. I'd also like to hear a little bit more about how you got here as far as where you are now. So as I said, at the beginning, 
female engineer, worked in the field for 30 years, loved the analogy of the electricity and the, the grounding, excellent. But also that along the way you've shared, you know, you really found out your passion is contributing to the world, helping women by finding more joy in their lives. So I'd love to hear how you realize this passion. And also, you know, I would say, you know, having realized this passion, I imagine you've learned an awful lot, both through coaching as well as your wonderful podcast. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, so for me, I think it, there was always this piece early on in life where I just, I guess, felt different and Maybe it's a bit of a natural thing too, to always look out and think that other people have a better life than you do, right? So there was always this sense that, that maybe I was missing something and that created a thirst and a craving in me just to explore in so many ways. So I wanted to kind of understand what did make me different, but then, you know, I remember, you know, coming to high school. And being very, very clear at that point on some level that I'm, I'm good at math, you know, so, you know, when you're in school and you have classmates and I had uh, older brothers as siblings, right. You do kind of have a sense for, you know, kind of just where you fit. So math was definitely my solid fit and hanging out with guys was like a very natural fit too. But then there was this other influences from outside and sometimes from adults. So in high school, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm already accepted to an engineering school. That was clear for me. And that path was one of the solids, but then you start getting these, these reactions, like, well, isn't that a man's world? And I'm just, I'm looking around and I'm like, wait a minute. Like I have two older brothers, like, and no one's going to tell me like <laughs> compared to them, like what the world looks like, right? So, so I, like a man, like what are you talking about, right? Like that was so weird to me on some level. But then on some level, I kind of also, you know, parents very traditional. Your know, dad always drove the car, you know, so always paid the bills. So there was, I think, a sense there that I didn't even understand at the time that I kind of wanted to. Un what's up with this world that we live in? That these things are are the way they are. But then, you know, life gets busy, you know, and then I get into engineering. And as soon as I did my co-ops in college and I, you know, got into the workforce, oh, steel-toed shoes and hard hats and problem solving and, and manufacturing and these environments, you know, they're loud and clunky and, you know, all that they are. I was like, oh, this is like home for me. Right. So that once again, there's this part of me that's like, oh yeah, this is so right. But then it's like, all right, why am I the only woman in the room, you know, in repetition and repetition? And then you like, you fast forward it 20 years later. I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to live life. You know, you got bills to pay, you got life to do, you know, having fun here and there. And I came across a Ted talk that talked about, and, and I really felt in that time, you know, that I had arrived, I got my career and I'm out here doing it. Right. And I really felt like I was meant to change the world. Right. So I kind of felt like I was on that natural path to, to contribute until I came across this TED talk that mentioned between 2000 and 2008. I think they mentioned that we were losing like 70 percent of our women in STEM fields or maybe even engineering specifically. I don't I don't recall the, all the details. 
that broke my heart because I felt like, ah, you know, here I am. I have an unstoppable goal to be a woman engineer. Uh, you know, I know who I am to make that dream come true. I'm out there doing it. And I really felt like, you know, th there'd be this ton of this wave of women behind me just a 20 years later to look back and be like, oh, my girlfriends all left me. <laughs> What's up with that? So, you know, some of these things kind of, you know, evolve even, you know, the, the path evolves. So I, I wanted to explore that. And that was definitely the point at which right before I started exploring life coaching and, and, and diving into leadership, like full tilt. I was just like, okay, enough of the whole engineering thing. I got that down. Like <laughs> that's the easy part, right? I know how to problem solve. I know how to get, you know, all the things. So that became a, a, a good 10 years because I'm, I'll say it's closer to the 15 year mark of, of that part of the journey. The first 10 years was just consuming all these things to a point where I wanted to understand the root of it. You know, whenever we do root problem solving, I wanted to get to the root. I wanted to have something like that, the five-step framework that could literally apply to anything. And it took me a long time to get to the true bottom of it, I felt. Yeah. So I, I kept thinking, oh, this is this next one thing is the, the one thing that's really going to do it. And one more thing. And I'm like, oh, there's so many things out there. They're so exciting. <laughs> and they're very, they can be distracting too. And yeah, I just really wanted, and I felt like I needed to get to the bottom because I felt like in my lifetime that I then needed to be able to understand my own life in a way that I can talk about it with others, share it with others. and then. At, on some point, really reflect. So you talked, you know, the podcast was a labor of love for sure. And it wasn't until I started interviewing and seeking out all these other women engineers that I finally realized that even though I'm the only one sitting in this room, I am not the only one and the only woman sitting in a room by herself with other, with other individuals. Right. And that, that was really, really powerful. So it was a little bit of hindsight. So, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I, I felt like I was on this path. You know, there was something inside of me that needed to have an answer. I had a question I needed the answer. And then the podcast, you know, it kind of was really like, you know, I didn't talk as, and in too much detail about step five, the sustained step, you know, so the sustained step is kind of like that moment in time where we get to the end of the day and we have to have to regenerate in a way that we can get up tomorrow morning and do it all over again, you know, fresh, you know, cause the, the bad days can kind of beat us down a bit. So, you know, if the podcast really was that a little bit of that paying it forward. I want to, to share not only my story, but I just want to hear the stories from these other women. And oh my gosh, they blow me away. So I'll categorize it if I, if I may, you know, with, I'll say it's more age uh, or career development phases, right? In the early stages of a career, there are some amazing women out there entering careers in the STEM fields. They get it. 
and they are primed and ready. So that was really, really validating for me to be like, okay, my presence in this career was really worth it. Even if there was a gap there, you know, that we might've lost some people, things have a way to correct. Yeah, so 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 cool to to hear from these women, you know, these younger young women that really get it. And then we'll have like the mid-career women, you know, so they not only do they get it, but they've been in there and they are hyper-focused at a, a strong element in the fifth step for sustain. They're they already get it that they should pay it forward. They're already earlier, way earlier than me. They're saying, not only do I need to do this career and have this, but I'm going to make sure that I'm having an impact for these other generations because we're going to leave this world better than we found it. And this is how we're going to do it. So that's amazing. And then you get up to your more seasoned women in, in STEM fields, you know, in their careers. Oh my gosh. Talk about blow your mind with empowerment. Oh, and they come and I love it because they have something that they want to say already. And they say it in the most beautiful of ways. And I say the most beautiful, you know, so some of the, the, the seasoned, you know, women that I've had on, on interviews, they will talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And unabashed, you know, and no shame in it, no shame and no guilt. It's like, this is just talking reality. This is what we had to go through. And that gives the opportunity then to, to once again say, oh my gosh, I wasn't the only one that had those things happen to me, you know? So that's, uh, yeah. Well, and you know, it reminds me, I know anthropologists, you know, all their research, they end up concluding the most important thing that every human wants to know is that they're not alone. And so all this work that you're doing, uh, including the podcast is absolutely uh, achieving that. Yeah. You know, the other thing I want to touch on with you, because uh, we've even seen it in action earlier, you know, many of us talk about these challenging times. And I noticed a little earlier, you said, this is such an opportunity. (laughs) And part of resilience is um, being able to reframe with positivity, not Pollyanna, but just reframe with positivity. It reminds me of, I don't know if you ever saw the old Mary Tyler Moore show, but one of the characters, Ted Knight, had had a heart attack. And so, and then he was a changed man. And he said, you know, it used to be, I'd get up, I'd have breakfast, I'd go to work, I'd come home and go to bed. And he said, now I get up and I have breakfast. (laughs) And it was such a wonderful example of how are you framing things? So you are known, of course, and I have to believe that part of that ability to reframe has allowed your strength in being able to overcome obstacles that you're able to remain most of the time, at least positive in tough situation. So was that something that came naturally to you? Was that something you've learned along the way? Ooh, not only have I learned, but I continue to learn. And I'll, I'll just also include in there that I am quick to go to battle and bring out the fight when the influence coming at me is disempowering and meant to disempower me. Right. So it's there. It, it's an interesting dynamic there, right? Because uh, like the Pollyanna, not just positive, but poly. Right? So 
if we get trapped into this idea that everything's supposed to be perfect, and I'm definitely a perfectionist, you know, I, I almost had to be being the only woman in the room. It, it's a trap, right? So there's a joy in me. And there's sometimes I actually have to throttle it because there's almost a little bit of not the best kind of joy when I go to battle because I'm so schooled at, at, at understanding the influences that are meant to, to attack and disempower. Uh, but at the same time, that's where I understand that everything that I have been through is putting me in this moment for a reason with this person to go to battle. So it's okay, right? It does need to come with a, a lot of compassion, a lot, a lot of compassion for this other person who's less equipped than I am. I have to kind of know that and, and, and handle that appropriately because I want my behavior to define me. It's the only thing that can. And I realize that other people's behavior is going to define them, right? So- yeah. Yeah. So we could talk forever clearly, but I do just want to close with a couple questions. And this next one is the catch-all because I've been peppering you with questions, but I, I want to make sure you're able to share what we haven't touched on. So what would you, you know, what would be your advice to up and coming leaders? That classic, what do you know now that you wish you'd known then? Obviously a lot of this we've covered, but what have we not touched on? Mm, my biggest advice at this moment in time is to get in touch with intuition. Intuition is a game changer. And it's something that, that everyone has. It is something that you can cultivate, but it is something that you need to cultivate. And I would suggest a journal, you know, to tap into that because a lot of times it's like, oh, is this, is this my ego? Or is it my intuition? Like you do have to kind of dial that in and have a sense for it to help it. And I say help it, it's like a relationship, right? So you want to have that relationship with your intuition because I think that's the level up for the future of leadership. I think it's highly important for anyone that is going to be in leadership uh, positions that are truly making progress and creating positivity and, and leaving the world better than we found it. We need more people with that sense. Uh, that's my my advice. I, I love that. And so I, I imagine it's, you know, I keep thinking it's never been more important because we are all in such a fast pace that, you know, pausing, you know, I forget what the exact quote is, but it's something along the lines of, you know, I kept chasing. And then when I finally stopped, it caught up with me, the wisdom. <laughs> So I, I, you know, I think about how important it is again, with your focus is being able to pause and listen to that intuition. That's probably been knocking on the door. Yeah. Cause the how to's are only going to get you so far. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in a, in a heated situation you've never been in before. And you're going to want a source that, that you can trust. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Final question for you, Maria. Um, and this may be hard to pick, but do you have a favorite quote or motto you'd like to share? I do. It comes in the form of a motto. And I say more joy, more respect. Ah, that really captures it. Excellent. Yes. Maria, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight and your experiences and just reminding us of how important it is to really pause and listen to ourselves and be intentional 
about how we are interacting with the world, but also interacting with ourselves. It has certainly been a pleasure. And just another plug, because that fifth step, once again, sustain is doing what Mentium does and helping people with these relationships is so crucial. You know, it's certainly an opportunity to, to be a mentor, you know, definitely glad to have it and wish I had one whenever I was younger. Yes. You know, thank you so much. And we hear that so much from our mentors. Many are, are passing it on, but so many are those wonderful personalities who wish they had had it and know how meaningful it is. And yeah, I think we're all doing very meaningful work and we're, we're very fortunate to do that. I also want to thank all of our listeners for joining this Mentium Matters podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with friends and colleagues. And again, when we are posting this podcast, we will also, of course, include Maria's podcast link as well. If you are interested in additional resources, you can find our show notes on the Mentium website. And we look forward to having you join us for our next inspiring conversation.